Lewayne, could you help me, sir, if you would, please? Amen. Thank you. Father, bless this offering, I pray. Touch each and every heart, Lord. We thank you again today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Oh, I want to see him. I want to look upon his face. Better sing forever of this saving grace on the streets of glory. Let me lift my voice. Well, cares all past. Home at last, ever to rejoice. Singing, oh, I want to see him. I want to look upon his face. That is sing forever of this saving grace on the streets of glory. Let me lift my voice. Cares all past home at last ever to rejoice. Amen. Praise God. I want to look upon his face. Amen. Well, we want to get right into our lesson this morning. Amen. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 11 through verse 15. Amen. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, that we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of Man. Son of Man, right? Son of God. <laughs> unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the fullness of Christ, that we be henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slate of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to the sea, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Amen. So we saw last week as we was talking about uh, apostolic ministry, and we see as Paul tells us here with the church at Ephesus, that is for the perfecting of the saints. Amen. So the ministry is designed to perfect the saints, to bring us all into the realization and the understanding of Jesus Christ. Is to give us a clear knowledge and understanding of the complete gospel. To help us to get rooted and grounded in Christ so that we can go on to perfection and become what God desires of each of us to be. Now, we saw last week as we was talking about the office of the apostle, we see that Paul in all his epistles, his, his opening to in his epistle, you will find he calls himself an apostle of Jesus Christ. And we saw last week that apostle is one that is sent forth. Amen. As it says on your paper, a messenger, he that is sent, I send, to send from one person to another and from one place to another place. Persons immediately designated by Christ and sent by him to preach the gospel of mankind. So if we were to look at the church today, everybody should be apostles, <laughs> shouldn't we? Because we've all been called to go, right? And they go in the gospel. Go ye therefore and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned, and these signs shall follow them that believe. And my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents. If they drink any daily thing, it shall not harm them, and they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. We must get involved in the kingdom of God. God did not save you to put you on a pew to relax and enjoy the day. He calls you to the missions field to get busy and get involved to reach that which was lost. Amen. He came to save that which is lost. And so we must be involved in the same process. And so we saw last week with Paul's instructions, he was constantly writing, says he was called to be an apostle. Amen. And so he said, and we saw that the fivefold ministry, the pastor, I mean, the pro apostles, the prophets, the evangelists and pastors and teachers, as we saw last week, the apostles govern or grounds God's church. They governs and grounds God's church. The, uh, uh, the prophets, they got at God's church. The uh, evangelists, they gather for God's church. The pastor, 
guards God's church, and the teachers grounds God's church. Okay? Let me say that again. The apostles govern and grounds, amen, and, and gr- governs God's church. The prophets guides God's church. The evangelist gathers God's church. Okay? The pastors guard God's church. And the teachers ground God's church. Okay? And if you notice, we are all familiar with probably my job as the pastor. Right? Everybody, you, you know what I do. <laughs> you know, you're, most people are, go to church, you're probably pretty familiar with a, a pastoral ministry. You know, we prepare, we teach, we warn you, we say, don't go there, don't do that. You know, we're, we're guarding you. Okay? We're trying to protect you because you're in the, the fold of the sheep. Okay? See? But then if you ever notice, sometimes we bring missionaries in. And missionaries is more of an apostle because they're ones that are sent forth by God. See? So they're going forth. And so we bring them in to tell you what is going. But what is the purpose? To help ground you also in the kingdom of God. The prophets, you know, sometimes men come through and they minister from a prophetic standpoint. Okay, to guide, to help guide God's church. Then we have teachers that come through. You know, sometimes you find that we have teachers, you know, in our local assembly that helps ground us and what God's want. Sometimes Brother DeMufa stand up here and teach. Sister Parker stands up here and teach. You know, Sister Bell may get up here and teach. You know, that that's just that <laughs> I'm just getting her back where she was be. <laughs> but we try to get people it's all to help get us grounded. See? And then there's other ministries that we'll talk about later on, like helps and things of that nature. A lot of you do those things. And it's all part of the grounding process that we do in the church to make us all perfected in Christ. Is to all bring us into the unity and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so we saw this last week in Paul's instructions uh, to the, the church. As we see in Acts chapter 13, they was all in the church. And then all of a sudden the Holy Ghost says, the part of to me, Paul and Barnabas, which I have sent, called forth for the ministry. Amen. So they were sent forth. And it's the same way today. See, God calls men and women to send them forth. Amen. And so, therefore, the, the ministry, we must work according to the ministry. As Paul told Timothy, amen, if you look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul uh, tells Timothy there, he says to make full proof of your ministry. Amen. Make full proof of your ministry. What does God call you to do? We're all called to be involved somewhere. You have got to get involved by praying and asking God, God, what do you want me to do? You know, there should be no fear in the kingdom of God. The Bible tells us God has not given you the spirit of fear. He's given you power. He's given you love. He's given you a sound mind. So if the enemy, if you feel apprehensive about doing something in the kingdom of God, know that it's not God that is doing it. It's the enemy of your soul that is pushing you back to prevent you from becoming and doing what God has called you to do. Amen. You should be moving forward. In the kingdom of God. So we need to make full proof of our ministry. And so the way that we do this, as the Bible told us in Colossians, whatsoever you do and word or deed, do it heartily unto the Lord and not unto men. Amen. If you go to work and do things for the Lord, you're going to be excited. But if you go to work trying to just please man, you're not going to be a happy camper. Okay? And you're not going to please everybody. See? So get in your mind. I want to please God. You go to church to please God. You go to church to get rooted and grounded so you can please God and do what God is asking you to do. See? It's what you're trying to do. So you want to make full proof of your ministry. Because if you're trying to please me, it ain't going to happen. Okay? See? Notice what Paul 
<laughs> if you please God, if you please God, you will please me. Okay, let's put it that way. If you please God, you're definitely going to please me. Alright? And so, and so we have to be aware of that. Amen. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, you know, here. Uh, Paul starts out in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as to carnal, even as to babes in Christ. Verse 2, I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able, for you are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envy and strife and divisions, and are you not carnal and walk as men? For while one say, I am a Paul, another I am of Apollos, another are you not carnal? Who then is Paul and who is Apollos but ministers by whom you believe? even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that give the increase. Say, so we're nothing, <laughs> but God that gives the increase. See, some people want to try to please man. No, you want to please God. Say, if you please God, you'll please man. Because the Bible says he'll make even your enemies be at peace with you. See? So you should always go about trying to do things to please the Lord and not man. Amen. Because this is what you desire. And so we're, we must fulfill our ministry that we are being called to do. Amen. And so the apostles were sent forth. Now let's look at prophets. The Bible says here, I mean, in the writings of the foretelling is a foreteller by analogy to inspire speaker by extension a poet a prophet. I speak a person who, under divine inspiration, predict future events. But the word is often applied to these who also preach the gospel. Amen. Now look at Acts chapter eleven, verse twenty-seven through verse thirty. Acts chapter eleven. Verse 27 through 30. And in these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch, and there stood up one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit that there should be great wrath throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt at Judea, which also they did, and sent it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. So we see here, here is a prophet named Agabus. He foretold something that was going to transpire, and as a result of that, they began to take actions in advance. See? And this is what you need to realize, amen, that when the word of God goes forth, it is always for our warning, is, is instruction for us. Because remember, the overall responsibility of the ministry is to perfect the saints. See, God is going to let us know in advance what is going on. He's going to perfect us. He wants us to take actions so that we know what to do. In advance. Amen. So it's a foretelling of an event or something is going to happen. So when Agabus began to tell them that it was going to be a drought and a famine was going to take place, what did they do? They start sending relief to help out in advance. Is preparation. We know through the study of God's word that the world is going to come to an end. Right? Amen. So what should we do? We should be preparing. We should be getting ourselves ready right now for the coming of the Lord because none of us know when that's going to happen. Amen. We know it's coming, so we need to be ready. We need to live as he's coming this very moment and plan as though he's not coming for a 100,000 of years. Amen. So we need to get ourselves ready here. So a prophet is a foretelling of something that is going to transpire and something that is to come. 
as we look, amen, here, as we see that Agabus began to tell them, because what is he doing? He's guiding the church. He's helping the church to get ready in advance. Amen. He's foretelling what is going to take place. Even in this district, amen, in 2015, God gave prophetic words of what was going to transpire throughout this district. Amen. And people just kind of like brushed it off. You know, the first thing God says, amen, was that there would be a Jezebel spirit that would come through, amen, and that spirit would be designed to devour and to pull many people away. And we see that that has started to happen. The second wave that would come through, God says, there would be a lot of ill health and sickness, amen. And we see that that is happening. And in every one of those, he says, I won't leave you, I won't forsake you. He even says, and in sickness, people would turn to man, amen, and not to him. But he said, I will not leave you, nor will I forsake you. And the third wave, he said, would be a spirit of compromise. People would walk away. They would start compromising truth. They would start compromising the doctrine that you have been taught, amen, that is designed to build you up. He said that that spirit of compromise would join together with the Jezebel spirit, which is the seducing spirit designed to pull people away. So we have to be aware of these things. It's going to transpire. And so it causes us now to prepare ourselves to stand fast, as Paul says. We need to put on the whole armor of God so that we're able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Amen. We need to realize that some things are going to transpire. Paul says if anything can be shaken, it's going to be shaken. Amen. The last days is not going to be a pleasant walk. We already know through scriptures that we entered the kingdom through what? Much tribulation. So we need to realize that the word is still there. It's going to give us warning, but at the same time, it's going to give us comfort. That's why when you read in Psalms 34, 19, it says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but out of them all the Lord delivered them. See, when God gives you something, he's going to tell you what's going to transpire, but he gives you calm assurance, I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. The same way, if you go back and you look at the scriptures, everything that the children of Israel went through, God was always with them. But when they start leaning to their own understanding, they start making wrong choices and wrong decisions. See, if God says, I'm not going to leave you, you need to believe he's not going to leave you. Amen. That we walk by faith and not by sight. So the prophets is God in God's church. See, you could be on the wrong road. You could be going down the wrong pathway, and God tells you to turn around, to go a different direction. Okay? You need to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost and the leading of God's Word so that it can help you get through what you are going to face through and is up against. So people say today, is there prophets still in the land? Yes, there are prophets still in the land. So what do we need to be concerned with? So keep these things in mind if someone tell you that they are a prophet or a prophetess, okay? Keep these things I'm going to talk to you about right now in mind if somebody tell you they are a prophet or a prophetess. Number one, is the fruit of the Spirit evident in their life? Is the fruit of the Spirit evident in their life? Do you see love? Do you see joy? Do you see peace? Do you see long-suffering? Do you see gentleness? Do you see goodness? Do you see faith? Do you need to see meekness and temperance in their lives? Jesus says in Matthew 7, you should know them. Look at Matthew 15, verse 16, 15 and 16. He says, beware of false prophets which come to you. Amen. Seven, seven, fifteen. Beware of false prophets which come to you, sheep clothed, and where they are raven wolves. You shall know them what? By their fruits. Okay. Does the fruit of the Spirit align with 
God. See, because the guy or the woman that's going to guide and lead God's church and direct God's church, is their life must be a reflection of what's in them. Say, if the Spirit is in you, then the fruit should be evident in you. Say, that's why Jesus says, you don't gather grapes from a thorn or figs off a thistle bush. Say, the fruit of him must be in you if you are guiding people in God's church. So, first, is the fruit of the Spirit evident in their life? Number two, do their lives reflect the Word of God? Does their life reflect the Word of God? James tells us in James 1, 26 and 27, James chapter 1, verse 26 and verse 27. If any man among you seem religious and brattle not his tongue, but deceive his honor, that man religious is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fathers and widows and keep himself unspotted from the world. Say, we're called to what? Come out from among them and be separate. See, my life must be a portrayer of what I'm teaching and what I'm showing, which is the Word of God. Say, if the Word is in me, if the Spirit is in me, and in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So if the Word is in me, then that's what you should see in my life. That should be what is being reflected out of me, is God, the Word. This is why Jesus says, let your light shine, that men shall see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Say, so in order to guide God's church, I've got to be what I say that I am and what he's called me to be. Say, I must be a reflection of him. Because if not, who's going to believe me? Say, if, if my life doesn't align with the Word of God, who's going to believe me? See? So we have to realize that. So does my life edify and magnify the Word of God? John says in 2 John chapter 1, verse 9, 2 John chapter 1, verse 9, John says, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ, what? He hath not God. Say, amen. Say, whosoever transgresses, if you're sinning and abiding not in the doctrine, you don't have God. Say, you, you need to realize that. And so, the prophet can't be a sinner <laughs> and try to guide God's church. Say, the same way with the apostles and the others that are in, in the ministry. Say, your life must re be a reflection of God's Word. Number three, do their life reflect holiness and being set apart or sanctified, pure, clean for God and the gospel? See, Romans 1 1, Paul says he's an apostle separated unto what? The gospel of Jesus Christ, Romans 1 and 1. See, to be set apart, that's all holiness is, is you're set apart for God's use. See, you are making yourself available for God. This is why Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, he says, in every house there's great vessels. There's some of stone and wood and dirt. He says, but if you purge yourself, you can become a vessel of honor and fit and meet for the master's use. See, everybody should want to be used by God. Why would you not want to be used by God? Amen. If, as we heard yesterday, think about it. If, if somebody had not went to the church, you know, so that you could hear the gospel, what would you be? See? And so, therefore, you should be thankful that God sent somebody to your town or somewhere that, so that you could hear the truth, so you could be saved. And now we should all be willing to turn around to go and tell somebody else. So that they can be saved and come out of darkness unto his marvelous light. 
So Paul says he was set apart. And that's all holiness is, is you say, hey, I want to be used by God. So you set yourself apart. It's just like they took the lamb and they set him apart for the great sacrifice. Amen. And so we are to be lambs, amen, for the slaughter, Paul says. Amen. And so we want to be set apart for God. Don't you want God to use you? What? You lived your whole life and, and at the inside didn't do anything for God? I never told anybody about God. Amen. So prophets are designed to guide God's church. Number four, do their life reflect the life or temperance? Do they have self-control? Amen. Do they have self-control? Proverbs 25, 28 says, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. If you can't control you, the enemy will destroy you. He will take you down quicker than a rock going to the bottom of the ocean. You have to have self-control because what? Temperance is part of the fruit of the Spirit. If you don't have self-control, that's an indication that the Spirit may not be there. See? So you need to get this thing under control. Amen. So a prophet's life should be a life of temperance. Self-control. Amen. Number five, is the spirit of the prophet subject to the prophet? Amen. First Corinthians 14, 32, Paul lets us know that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. See? Now, we know that Jesus is the highest prophet there is, doesn't he? So I should be subject to him. Amen. And I know that that means also that I control my spirit. Say, I control, if I have his spirit in me, I should be able to control my spirit. Say, because why? I'm God in God's, if I'm flying off the handle about everything, how am I going to guide anybody? See, I have to have temperance. I got to have self-control. My life must be a reflection of what I'm called to do. Say, and this is important to you and I. Temperance is so important because you want to be able to control you. You don't want to destroy you. One of the worst destructions is self-destruction. You know, don't destroy yourself. See, when God calls you out, he calls you to be separate because he desired you. So prophets must be, amen, subject to the prophet. Are you submitted to God and spiritual authority? James tells us in James 4, 7, submit yourselves. Amen. Submission, James 4, 7. See, we must submit ourselves unto God. Are you submitted to God? Notice what he says. Submit to God and what will happen? You resist the devil and he'll flee. So why is people being beat up by the devil? That's Holy Ghost feel. Why is there so much edification of the devil in the church? The devil's doing this. The devil's doing that. The devil, 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 devil. Old red devil. Where you come from? Box of crown. What color? Black. You didn't play that game when you was a kid, did you? We did, because I didn't know Jesus. We play a little game. Knock, knock, knock. Who is the old red devil? What do you want? Box of cream. What color? Blue. If your number was color was blue, then you had to jump up and run around the house. And the guy that was the devil, if he caught you, then you had to be the devil. See? Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm serious. It does, we used to play those kind of games when I was a kid because I didn't know God. I knew of God, but I was not rooted and grounded to have a clear understanding of God. You know, that's just like Halloween. People don't have a knowledge of God. You know, been there, did that. You know, went out and got my candy. <laughs> Good candy back in the days, but now they lace it with drugs and needles and everything else. You know, I ain't got time for that. Amen. See, so, but you have to have wisdom. 
So notice what Paul says here. You know, James, excuse me, says, you know, submit yourself to God. He says, resist the devil and what? He'll flee. So he, if you believe James says there's one God, he said the devil also believes and he trembles. So if the devil's beating you up, where's the power? Say, don't give him any credit. Every time you elevate the devil's name, you know what you just did? You just worshiped him. Elify God. You don't see the apostles and, and them talking a whole lot about the devil. Usually they says, you know, he has no power over you. They, they want to root you and ground you in Christ. They ain't, they ain't concerned about the devil rooting you in him. They want to root you and ground you in Christ because they know that's where all the power is. See? And if the church is being guided and about the devil every day, all you're going to do is become discouraged. Song says, let's talk about Jesus. The King of Kings is he. The Lord of all supreme throughout eternally. The great I am the way, the truth, the light in the door. Let's talk about Jesus. Amen. He's the one that died for me. So resist those temptations. That's why the prophecy is designed to guide us. You know, if all they're talking about is end times and all this stuff, we already know the end time is coming. But you can't put your finger on it. Because God says no man knows the minute of the hour. Amen. We need to stay focused. Amen. So that we're being perfected. So we need to be submitted to God. Amen. Number six. Amen. Do they speak? Know when to speak and when to keep silent. Amen. Not only is my spirit subject to God, my tongue is also subject to God. Amen. We need to know when to speak. As the old song say, you need to know when to hold them and when to fold them, when to walk away, right? Amen. So we need to make sure that we are under control of God. Amen. So number six, or seven, excuse me. Do what they prophesy come to pass? Do what they prophesy come to pass? If it comes to pass, you know as of God. Look at Deuteronomy here. Chapter number 18, and let's look at verse 18 through 22. Deuteronomy, because Moses is trying to give the children of Israel some instructions here about the prophets, because apparently they had some questions about that subject as well. Verse 18, Deuteronomy 18, verse 18 through verse 22. Moses says, God says, excuse me, I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren, like unto thee, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that who I command them. See, so the prophet's words are going to be in accordance with God's word. See, that's why I said earlier, they should be able, their lives should be a reflection of the word of God. See, because they're going to speak in God's stead. So God says, I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren, like unto thee, and put my word in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I command them. And it shall come to pass that whatsoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. But the prophet which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or that shall speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall do what? <laughs> God ain't joking, is he? <laughs> Amen. And if thou say in thine heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaketh in the name of the Lord, if the thing follow not, nor come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord have not spoken. Pretty simple, isn't it? You can pick them out. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 7 later. He said, you're going to know them by their fruit. See? Their life will align with the word of God, and what God says is going to come to pass. Amen. 
he goes on and says, Amen. But the prophet have spoken it presumptuously, thou shalt not be afraid of him. Amen. So we see here that, you know, they are speaking for God, to God, God's church. Amen. To lead us in the right way. And God will give them the right word at the right time to direct us and to guide us. Amen. So remember, they're guiding. They're guiding God's church. They're giving us instructions. They're giving the directions. Amen. All scripture is given what? Inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for corrections and instructions in righteousness, so that the man and woman of God will be perfect, thoroughly furnished for all good works. Amen. So, in Peter, on the day of Pentecost, you remember when he preached, what did he say? And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Amen. And your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. So, if the young men and women are the servants, the men and women shall prophesy, then we should be speaking things for God. You need to be involved. Praying that God will use you to help direct and to guide his church. To help get people established and rooted and grounded in the truth of God's word. Amen. Because this is what God desires of each of us is to be rooted and steadfast in his word. And Acts chapter 21 verse 89, we see here that Philip, amen, he had three daughters. And what were they? There was prophetess. Amen. So you as young ladies can be used by God, amen, to speak and help guide God's church. Get involved. Get away with God. Separate yourself unto God to be used by God here. Amen. You don't want to just sit back and do nothing. You want to, Jesus says, my sheep know my voice and I am known of them. So you want to be used. So prophets are designed to guide God's church. Amen. As we see throughout the scripture here. Third is teachers. 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 An instructor. Doctors. Masters. Teachers. I teach persons whose chief business is or was to instruct the people in the elements of Christian religious and their duties to each other. So remember we says teachers were designed to do what? Not only teach, but what? Ground us. Ground us. Amen. They're going to ground you in the truth of God's word. Amen. That's why when you go to school, teachers are doing that. They're grounding you and what you need to know. If you're in math class, they're grounding you in math. If you're in English class, they're grounding you in the English language. Amen. And understanding. Whatever your your class is, that's what they're grounding you in as teachers. Amen. So it's different in the church. Teachers in the church is designed to ground you. Paul lets us know. Not only was Paul an apostle and a prophet, amen, an evangelist, he was also a teacher. Amen. He was teaching the gospel. Today we teach. I Yes, I serve in the role of a pastor, but what am I doing right now? I'm a teacher. Amen. I'm grounding you in the truth of God's word. When men and women come here and teach us our discipleship class, our, our Wednesday night Bible study class, we're grounding. This is why Bible studies are so important. Everybody can teach the Bible, I hope. <laughs> Amen. This is why we should all be teaching Bible studies. We need to be rooted and grounded. Amen. We need to get along with God to be able to get our lives focused with God in his word so that we have the word in our hearts so that we teach the truth of the apostolic doctrine to all people we come in contact with. You need to have it hidden in your heart. You need to be rooted and grounded in it. See, so this is what teachers do. do. They ground you. Amen. And so the church is designed through the teaching ministry to help guide and to ground the church so that we want to be no more children. 
Paul cared about with every wind of doctrine. Say, the teachers are designed to help build us into this area. He gave teachers. Amen. Acts 11.26 And when he had found him, talking about Paul, he brought him to Antioch, and it came to pass that for a whole year... They assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called what? Christians first in Antioch. Notice, a whole year they stayed in one place teaching. Say, grounding them in the truth, amen, of God's word. And that's where they was first called Christians. So you want to know where the word Christian come from? There you have it. Amen. They was first called Christians in Antioch, Christ followers, to be like Christ. Amen. And so the word is designed, as we've already studied in times past, about apostolic doctrine, apostolic unity, apostolic identity. We've already been teaching these things to do what? Ground you. Because you need to know why you're apostolic. If somebody asks you, why are you apostolic? I go into places and I, people says, what's your name of your church? I says, Calvary Apostolic Church. They says, what? They says, I never heard of that before. See? So we need to be rooted. You know, Peter says, be ready to give an answer for every man to ask the hope that is in you. But see, the, the overall thing, too, in the church is as teachers, is the ground people, to help people, to have a clear understanding of what God is saying and what God is doing and to bring about an understanding. See, people struggle because they're not listening to the teaching. They, they're not listening to the Word of God. See, it needs to be imparted in their hearts and in their minds. The Word of God is what? Hebrews 12, 14, 4, 12. It is quick and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividers of under of soul and spirit and joining and Myron's discerner of the thought and the intent of the heart. If you notice, when you look at the book of Acts, when the apostles were go, amen, if you look were to look at Acts 8, the Bible says after Stephen was killed, they were spread abroad and they went everywhere doing what? Preaching the word of God. Amen. Philip went down to Samaria and he began to ground them. He began to teach the word of God. And people that heard the word of God, they was converted. They was baptized in the name of Jesus. Amen. And they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And they continued. You've got to teach. Amen. All of us are called to teach. Amen. Get the word in you. Get a Bible study chart. Do your own Bible study. Learn the word of God so that it's hidden in your heart. Because if you never share the truth, you're not going to grow. And if you're not growing, guess what? You're dying. And you don't want to die on the vine. See? God is putting people in our path every day to help us to grow. So teachers are designed to ground us in the truth. That's why Paul, look at what Paul told Timothy. He says, I left you in Ephesus that you might teach others that they teach no other doctrine. Say, we want to ground people in the apostolic truth and the ways of God. It is very important that we have that understanding. Amen. Praise God. He's with us. He wants us to have the truth in us. Amen. Look at Acts 15, verse 35. <clears throat> Acts 15, 35. Amen. Acts 15.35. Paul also and Barnabas continue in Antioch teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many 
others also. Notice, teaching and preaching the word with many others also. It wasn't just them. See, we all want to get involved in this thing because of the ministry. Amen. We want to be a part of this ministry that God is calling us to. Go ye therefore and teach. Amen. God's commission in Matthew 28, 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Then what he's teaching them to observe all things. See, part of the discipleship program is to teach. You bring somebody to church, it's your responsibility to teach them, to disciple them, say, to show them the right way so that they are rooted and grounded in the truth of God's Word. The same way in our homes, we're designed to teach our families, we're designed to teach our loved ones, amen, the Word of God, amen. Acts 18, verse 11, Acts 18, 11. And he continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. Amen. Notice, a whole year and a half now. Staying there. This is important. They're teaching people. They're grounding people. Because you just can't go and teach one time and leave it. you got to keep pounding it. you got to keep showing them the right way, the ways of truth. Amen. Because if the truth is going to make them free, then they have to have the Word of God deep down in their hearts and in their minds and in their souls. See? And so this is why, you see, when Jesus was upon the earth, He was constantly teaching. A lot of times He used parables. And as He used parables a lot of times, and the disciples a lot of times didn't understand. And they would say, Lord, explain to us this parable. And he would explain to them the parable so that they would have an understanding. Why? Because he wanted them to be grounded. Amen. He wanted them to know. And it's no different to today. We have got to all come into the knowledge of the faith, as Paul says. And to the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the fullness of the statues of Christ, so that we're not children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. There's only one doctrine, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must repent. We must be baptized in the name of Jesus. We must be filled with the Spirit of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Because without that, we're none of His. Say, we've got to have the knowledge of the truth. And that's where teachers comes in. Remember, apostles uh, governs God's church. They oversee the things of God. The prophets guides God's church. And the teachers grounds God's church. Amen. But they're all working. None of the positions is higher than any other position. They're all called of God. They're all working simultaneous to the development and the strengthening and the building of the house of God. Amen. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, we are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone and whom all the building fit framely together and grow it up into a holy temple on the Lord. So everything we build, we're building on Jesus Christ. Amen. Not on me. Not on some man. We are building on Jesus Christ. Amen. And so we all the building fitly framed together, whether the apostles is governed, whether the prophets is guiding, whether the uh, teachers is grounding, whether the pastor is guarding, whether the evangelist is gathering, we're all building on this same solid foundation, Jesus Christ and him crucified. And this is key and important if we're going to live. If we're going to be solid, if we're going to be rooted, if we're going to be steadfast and unmovable, we've got to know Jesus Christ. Because Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. Amen. And he wants us all to know him. And as Paul says, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, 
preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received back up into glory. See, so we've got to be rooted. God don't want his children to be carried away with every wind of doctrine. He don't want you following false doctrine. He don't want you following false teachers. That's why when you look at the scriptures, he was constantly telling his disciples to beware. There were false prophets in the earth then. There are false prophets today. But what did Jesus say? You will know them by their fruit. People say, well, you're not supposed to judge me. You know what I always tell them? I'm just a fruit inspector, guys. That's all I'm doing is I'm examining your fruit. Amen. But in the apostolic ministry, we're all called to be involved. Amen. From the time we come into the knowledge of Christ, we are to be involved in the things of God. Amen. To help ground God's church, help guide God's church, help direct God's church. You may start out, amen, to start with as just going as a missionary, going out and start telling people, about God. If you ever start feeling in yourself, man, I just need to get out here and do something. Tell somebody about God. Well, that could be the spirit is prompting you and pulling you to say, go. See? And as you go, God begins to help you. He begins to share with you more. You know, look at Philip. Philip went down to Samaria and he preached Christ and boom. You know, later on, he's got three daughters that are prophets. <laughs> you know, your ministry well, may overflow into your children, you know, later on. That they too. But that, isn't that the overall goal? I don't just want to go to heaven by myself. I want to take my whole family. You know, I want to take everybody I come in contact with. I, I want to share the truth because I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he's able. Amen. Praise God. Well, man, this is good, huh? Amen. <laughs> Let's take a break. Let's take about a 10-minute break and get ready for our next service. Amen. God bless. Good to have everybody here this morning. Amen.